Why, good morning. I hope you're well today. It's good to see all of you guys. Everybody doing good? You sound good. You, Joe, good to see you. <laughs> hey, uh, a couple things to announce to you today and let you know about. Um, the first, not a happy one, uh, but one we're all grieving about. We lost a member this past week. Uh, Jake Robinson went on to be with the Lord. He was a long, long time member here, uh, he and Mahala. Uh, Jake had been struggling with sickness for a long time. Uh, his death this week was not related to COVID. He didn't have COVID. Uh, he just, it was his time and God called him on. And so if you would, uh, let's grieve with our members, uh, Mahala and uh, Stephanie and Kevin Van Riper, and uh, also with their other daughters, Marna and Kim and their families, uh, who rejoicing to have had a good father, but now grieving that he's gone on to be with the Lord and that they're separated for the moment. So, uh, for good news that I have for you today, we get to have a baby shower. And this isn't going to be our first drive-through baby shower, uh, but it is a fun thing to get to do to drive up and drive through. So on February 6th, uh, sweet Laura Burrow, Trevor's wife, uh, we're going to have a baby shower for Trevor and Laura and their new baby daughter. Uh, we'll do it right here, and so they'll probably be parked up underneath the awning, and you can just kind of drive through and drop off what baby gift you have for them. We always like to be a blessing and provide as much as we can for any of our families uh, who are having a child, but I might mention to you this time uh, all the more so in that, while they didn't tell me to say this, um, Trevor and Laura uh, kindly gave away a lot of their baby stuff to a friend who had a surprise pregnancy and needed lots of baby things last minute. Uh, and so they gave up a lot of their stuff. So they're going to have to start from scratch for baby number two here. Uh, whereas little Zachary Bird is still living in the same crib that we got for Zoe Bird all those years ago uh, and have been able to pass down. So uh, in a lot of ways, they've got to restart because of their graciousness to some friends. So church, I hope you'll think about that and just take it into account uh, and be generous with them, uh, as you always are with everyone. They're registered on Amazon.com or any gift cards, baby wipes, or diapers that you want to do always work out well and are a big blessing on everyone because uh, if you add up the amount of diapers a baby goes through, it is shocking. Uh, shocking. So February 6th, right here, it's 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. So it's just an hour and a half window in which you can drive through and drop off and say congratulations and offer your blessing uh, to that family and this new baby. Uh, another announcement I have for you today something perhaps unusual or different, uh, Trevor and I decided we should start a show called The Pastor Show. We don't have a good name for it yet, and Wayne's World was already taken. So uh, The Pastor Show for now. But uh, what we wanted to do was just another opportunity to provide resources for you and your family, and so to give another point of connection and update on what's going on. So uh, Wednesdays, we'll plan on putting out our 10 to 15 minute long uh, pastor show with resources, with a little bit of scripture we've been reading, some things we've been thinking about, uh, and uh, just goofiness too, if you know us. Uh, but we, <laughs> we hope it'll be a blessing to you. And uh, that'll, uh, so that'll come out this Wednesday. We'll send it out through email our church newsletter, and uh, it'll go up on the website and on Facebook and everything. But uh, hopefully it can be some help to you and a little bit of blessing in a hard time. Uh, and uh, final announcement I have for you today is uh, we, we do have something new. Today you are going to get to vote on a new member by honking your horn, which is entirely new to the church. Uh, this is, and uh, yeah, about there is good. This is Roxanne Turnipseed. Uh, we're not going to make her climb the scaffolding, but uh, Roxanne has gone through the steps 
to become a member, and she would like to be a member by transfer of letter. As you may know, Roxanne lives most of the year in Honduras as she runs a children's home there and has been placing children with families these last few years and is going to continue to do that work. Uh, she'd like for this church to be her home base, and uh, I would love to recommend her to you, uh, even if we can't be members close by throughout most of the year. It's a joy to get to know that we have members of our church who are constantly at work in ministry around the world. And so, congregation, if you would receive Roxanne as a member, please honk your horn. <laughs> That one's broken. I think that one. <laughs> Thank you, Roxanne. Okay, go back and get warm. <laughs> and uh, uh, if you need Roxanne's contact information, just so you can send her a nice card, we'll put some of that out in the newsletter this week and uh, welcome her to the congregation and be in prayer for her as she goes back to run her children's home. Those are the announcements I have for you today. Let's start with a word of prayer and then let's get cooking. Father God. It is such a joy to my heart to gather with these people together today. It's such a joy to be gathered in the name of Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit, by the grace of the Father. We love you, our God. I thank you that you have never left us and have always been present with us. I feel like each Sunday, yeah, I need to talk just a little bit. I'll try it quietly in order for you to adjust the volume yourself uh, to wherever that you need it in your car. <clears throat> so this is that time where I'm just talking so that you can get it adjusted before the sermon begins. Uh, today, our passage from Scripture is going to be 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11 12 and 13, the very last verses of 2 Corinthians, which since we don't have in Scripture a 3 Corinthians, is the last thing that we have recorded in Scripture that Paul says to this church that he started, uh, this group of people that he loved and traveled on from. Now, depending on your perspective, the Corinthians had a troubled, rocky time but maybe they didn't. Maybe it's just par for the course. Again, it kind of depends on your perspective. But as it goes, Paul went to Corinth. He gathered together some converts. He preached gospel. He talked about Jesus Christ. People believed because, after all, faith comes by hearing. And they, as they received faith, as they began to believe and trust, they were gathered together in a congregation as a church and when Paul had to leave and go move on and start some other churches, something promised happened, and that is that false teachers came into the church. So this congregation was then led astray both by Judaizers, that is those who wanted to say, yes, we're saved by the grace of God, but now if you want to be right with God, you have to obey all of the laws of Moses and become Jewish in order to be a Christian. And on the other hand, other false teachers who said, you know what, no, the law was abolished, just like Paul said, and so there's no laws anymore, and you can do whatever you want to, we're saved by grace, let's go and live it up however we want to, living by whatever desires we have. Now both of these, though they seem like they're on opposite ends of a spectrum, trying to live by legalism and trying to live by no rules at all, are both a similar rejection of the gospel. 
And that is that God has created us on purpose, intentionally, and ordained a right way for us to live. And that by Christ's grace, we can be forgiven of when we've sinned, but we can also be empowered by the Spirit to live as He created us to and called us to. So with these false teachers in the church, all kinds of sin came about in the church. And you can read about this in 1 Corinthians, where Paul has to address issues in the church Like, for instance, when they come together to take the Lord's Supper, there are people who are getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. They're showing up early so they can eat all the food and they can drink all the wine. And then when other people show up, they're going hungry. You know that that, on its face, is absurd and inappropriate. It gets even worse. There is, as Paul talks to them about in 1 Corinthians, a shameful relationship within the church that not even the pagan culture appreciated or thought was a good idea. And that is, a man in their church was sleeping with his father's wife. If the sound in your car right now was, ew, then you got the sound right. Even the pagan culture saw this as evil, but Paul said there's even some people in the church who are approving of this behavior. All sorts of sin creeped into the church like that, and so we're told in this letter, 2 Corinthians, that between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, Paul wrote another letter to them that we don't have a copy of. Uh, However, it was a sharp correction. Paul came down like a hammer on all of this sin and evil behavior, rightly so. If you had to be far away from our church for a while and you got word that this sort of thing was happening and being tolerated and even encouraged, you too would be grieved to your heart and write an angry letter against sin, hoping that there would be repentance. Paul writes that letter and sends it with his young uh, associate, Titus. Titus delivers the letter and brings word back to Paul that, good news, most of the church had repented of that behavior. They took the rebuke from Paul, they received it well, they recognized they were doing wrong, and they turned from their sins and repented. But there was still a minority of people there who had been called, who had fallen away in this way, and were still practicing wrong things and believing wrong teachings. So that's the scenario when we get to 2 Corinthians. As we get here in 2 Corinthians, what we see is that Paul writes to them, recounting these things, encouraged that so many of them took his rebuke, were grieved by it, and he says, you know, I'm glad you were grieved by it because godly grief leads to repentance, and that's what you did. They were grieved by it. Most of them repented, and so in this letter, Paul addresses subsequent things like an offering for another church that they could participate in if they wanted to. Paul still addresses those wrong teachers and wrong believers in this letter, 2 Corinthians, still tells them that condemnation is coming and they need to turn from wrong teaching and wrong behavior. There's still time for them. But make no mistake, what they're teaching leads to the judgment of God and it's coming for them if they won't repent. And then finally, in the very last two verses of 2 Corinthians, which is our text for today, Paul gives them a summary statement of everything they're supposed to be doing as a church. So if two weeks ago when we met, we looked at Psalm 88 and we talked about being grieved and feeling like God is not present, 
but believing and living by belief that we know God is with us, even if we don't feel like it. And so we know that God's with us, even if we're in a hard time right now. We live by faith and not by feel. But also, last week we talked about Matthew chapter 28, about what is our purpose during this difficult time, and what is it other than to go to the nations, to make disciples, to baptize, and to teach all the commands of Christ so that people can obey them. Well, today's question that we're going to answer is this. During a hard time, we know that God's with us, we know what our purpose continues to be, and so how is our relationship between each other going to work at this time? That's what we get here in Paul's closing comments to the Corinthians church. That's what we get is... How are we to relate to each other? I'm going to start reading in verse 11 in the CSB. Paul says, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice, become mature, be encouraged, be of the same mind, be at peace. The God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints send you greetings. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. May it be so for all of us. Finally, dear Talatha, rejoice. Friends, gather today, become mature, be encouraged, be of the same mind, be at peace. The God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints send us greetings, and may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Spirit be with us all. What a beautiful prayer. What a beautiful blessing. Let's talk about all these one by one. The first thing that he says to do is rejoice. All right, y'all. It's time for rejoicing and in all circumstances. How do we rejoice? Well, you can rejoice by yourself. You can get awfully excited and you can go dancing around in the living room all by yourself. But we are also called to rejoice together. You know, one thing that we didn't get to do this year is uh, about this time in, what, 2019? Uh, Yeah, it's been a year ago. About this time a year ago, I was hatching a plan with Richard. And Richard and I were working on a plan. I said, Richard, what if next Christmas, that would have been this past one, we taught the entire church how to sing the Hallelujah Chorus from Handel's Messiah? And we learned all of the parts together as a congregation. Like, we spent November, I don't know, Sunday night, Sunday morning, learning the parts as a congregation, which is crazy. Have you heard the Hallelujah Chorus? It's beautiful. But what if we spent, like, November and December, all of us learning the parts so that when we get to the Christmas cantata at the end, not just the choir, but the whole congregation can stand up and have one of the parts sing... The Lord God omnipotent reigneth. And the whole congregation could sing, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. (laughs) 
Maybe next year. It's ambitious, but that's what we do together is rejoice. While this season has changed the way we rejoice, it hasn't changed our community rejoicing. While that plan was at least put off for the moment, and maybe a little crazy to begin with, there's been lots of other times where we as a congregation, though not all together, but in small groups, have been able to do great rejoicing together. One of my favorite ones is a couple of families who we were able to go together and sing happy birthday to Liz Coates uh, back in the spring after COVID hit, but on her birthday, we were able to just drive up out front of her house and with a bunch of kids hanging out windows who'd made banners sing happy birthday and see Liz come out on the porch and wave before her illness got worse. And it was rejoicing together in any way you can. And it ought to be in small groups, but let us rejoice together. Let us rejoice that Jesus Christ is Lord, even in this season. We might think of our season as uniquely bad, but I tell you that the Corinthians' season was worse. Their trouble wasn't just the own, their own internal conflicts and that their church was being broken up by sin. This church was also actively persecuted by an unbelieving world around them. And into their persecution and into their division, Paul said, rejoice. Let us rejoice as well. The next thing that he tells us today is to become mature. So here it is, y'all. Congregation, become mature. I don't mean to say it glibly. I, I do say it glibly to my children sometimes. I think it's always kind of a fun joke to pick up a baby uh, crying, one of my sons, and say, hey, hey, son, you're a man now. It's time to stop crying, baby. Uh, or to say that to children regularly whenever they're struggling. All right. You're a man now. It's time, to, it's time to handle this on your own before I help them handle whatever issue that they have together. But Paul says to this, to us as adults, that what we ought to do is to become mature. And I ask you, how do you become mature? Go on answering your car. How do you become mature? Well, there are several ways, but there are two that speak Scripture speaks of regularly. Uh, number one is we grow in our faith and become mature by the renewing of our minds, the daily renewing of our minds, that is studying Scripture. But another way that we grow in maturity is through hard times. That means our growth in maturity towards God is not something we put on the shelf and wait until a better season comes along, but that this is the prime season for us to grow in our faith. Perhaps one of the purposes of this season is that you would grow and become mature in your faith. I like to joke about how we're all dealing with COVID differently. And anytime I say or do anything weird, and Meredith raises her eyebrow at me, I say, well, you know, we're all dealing with COVID differently. <laughs> or uh, I, one of the ways I'm dealing with COVID, one of my coping mechanisms is uh, I got some chickens, like the live kind, not the, not the dead kind. Uh, I got some chickens. I thought it'd be fun to raise chickens. And if you know me, this is not normal for me. 
Uh, I'm a city guy. Raising chickens is a little outside my comfort zone, but you know what? It seemed like a good idea, what with COVID going on. And I said, let's get some chickens and raise them. And Meredith raised her eyebrow at me, and I said, well, you know, we're all dealing with COVID in different ways. That's my way of humorously excusing odd behavior. Well, you know, I'm eating nachos at midnight. Well, you know, we're all, we're all dealing with COVID in different ways. And truly, uh, find something, some good skill, hobby, or source of joy, something that can help you cope with the difficulties of the season. But by all means, don't waste the season, but let it bring you to maturity. However you've done so far in COVID, however you've done so far, today's a new day to allow this season to raise you up in faith, for you to grow in maturity in Christ because of the difficulties, not in spite of them. It's possible that the things you've been doing to cope with COVID aren't silly, like raising chickens, but are turning back to the old sins that you had tried to leave behind before. Perhaps your coping with COVID has been relapse. I tell you today, instead, from now on, moving forward from this moment forward, don't waste this season, but let the difficulties of it bring about maturity in you. Rejoice, become mature, and also, friends, be encouraged. Paul says to the congregation, be encouraged. And how are we to do this with one another? I mean, it's kind of easy to be encouraged. Anytime we gather together under any circumstances, I'm encouraged. It's good to see you guys. And all the, the obnoxiousness of, of honking, which is somehow joyful too. It's good to see you guys. It's good to hear you. It's good to smile through a windshield and know that I'm not alone and we're not alone, but we're in this together. We ought to be encouraged by each other, even in a difficult time. Jesus says to us in John chapter 16, in this world, you will have troubles. And that's how you know Jesus isn't selling anything to you. He tells you the truth up front. In this world, he says to any disciple who would follow after him, in this world, you will have troubles. But how's the rest of that verse go? In this world, you will have troubles, but take heart, I have overcome the world, is what Jesus says. In this world, you will have troubles, but be encouraged, I have overcome the world. Let us be encouraged, because although we have troubles, we know that God has not left us alone. Christ has already overcome the world. God is with us constantly, and He has gathered us together in a congregation that we could be with each other. Take heart. Be encouraged. Let us lift each other's chins in any way we can. There is suffering, but there is victory in our suffering, and Christ has already won the victory. Congregation, rejoice. Become mature. Be encouraged, as Scripture teaches. And then Paul says to the church, Also, 
be of the same mind. Now, each one of us has a tendency, and the several places where we're told in the New Testament that we need to be of the same mind, we all have a tendency to think that means to be of my mind. (laughs) All of you, get on my page, (laughs) be of my mind. And any one of us can think that. Every last person can think, some of y'all crazy people, not knowing what's good and right, not preferring the same thing I prefer, not wanting the same things I want, not thinking the same things I think, every last one of us has the ability to think that because it's our preference or it passes the test of our reason, everyone else should be of the same mind as us. And if they're not, they must be wrong. The trouble is, (laughs) we're not to be of the same mind as you or as me. We're to be of the same mind as Christ. So if we hear be of the same mind and you think, My goodness, why would that person pick those songs? Why would anyone spend money on that? Why would you go and do something foolish like this? Why would you waste your time on that? Jordan Bird, why would you get chickens? You're of the wrong mind. Be of my mind, my preferences. That's not what this passage means. Paul wants us to be of the same mind, but the mind that we're supposed to be of is the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ is this, clearly revealed in Scripture, not about his preferences. Christ's mind, if you read any part of the Gospels you understand, is not about what he would prefer but about the reaching out and inclusion of others into the grace and love of God. So being of the same mind doesn't mean preferences. It means being the same mind of Christ, which is including one another, exalting and lifting up one another, humbling ourselves, not considering equality something to be grasped, but making ourselves nothing in order to lift each other up just as Christ did. Rejoice, become mature, be encouraged, be of the same mind, and be at peace. How do you be at peace at a time like this? Do any of you happen to be married to a person who can, like, sleep through anything? And sometimes something happens, you hear a noise, there's a thunderstorm, maybe there's a child that comes into your room crying and climbs into your bed, and you're wondering, how in the world did you just sleep through all of that? I'll just let you know, at my house, I'm the one who sleeps through all that (laughs) and wake up in the morning surprised, like, how did that kid get in here? I don't remember any of it. You ever been around a person who just sleeps hard and you're thinking, how can you be at peace? How can you sleep through that sort of thing? Do you recall Christ in the boat with his disciples out at sea and a storm comes and rocks the boat so bad that these seasoned fishermen are terrified for their lives and Jesus is asleep in the boat. Why? How can he be at peace? Because he has power over all these circumstances. They wake him up and all Jesus does is say, shh, to the storm. And it's silenced. I tell you, Jesus was in the boat with them and Jesus is with us today. Be at peace and rest in peace in Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul, the Apostle Paul, 
sometime after writing this letter, is taken captive. A prisoner is sent to Rome on the way, on an island. He's bit by a snake. And the captors who have taken him, the soldiers, are shocked. And first they say, ah, it's a sign that he's cursed by God. And Paul simply shakes the snake off into the fire. How do you be at peace when under attack? By trusting that God is with us and has a purpose for us and will see that purpose to the end. Let us be at peace in all circumstances. The next one some of you might have been excited to get to, and that is greet one another. But how are we supposed to greet one another? Greet one another with a holy kiss. Greet one another with a holy kiss is what he calls them to do. Now, even in good seasons, we don't do this a whole lot at our church, and I would recommend to you that we don't start. Uh, The kiss, while distracting, is not the most important part here. We greet each other, but the the most important piece in greet one another, as he says here, uh, what do he say? Greet one another with a holy kiss. The two parts that are important are the greet one another and the holy. The actual cultural expression of our greeting, a kiss or otherwise, is not quite as important. Uh, Isaac Bird keeps giving me this holy kiss in which that kid of our children has decided that if he's going to kiss you, he's going to kiss you on the forehead. And so this six-year-old, I'm laying in bed at night. We've put them to bed. We're trying to stay in your room. Don't come out of your room. And he comes out of his room. Uh, but one of the reasons, excuse is, I, I want to kiss you goodnight. It's like, we already did that, son. Go back to your room. But he comes in to give me a kiss anyway. And every time he kisses Meredith or I, he grabs our faces in his hands. He takes us by the cheeks, and he kisses us on the forehead. <laughs> It's like receiving a blessing from a little old man. He kisses on the forehead. You guys know that Greek tradition of, of that Greek blessing, the old one of spitting on a child's head? Do you guys remember this at least from Big Fat Greek Wedding? The <laughs> spitting on a child's head. I feel like Isaac's about to learn that. Uh, hopefully he's not paying attention at the moment and I'm not going to get spittle in my hair. The important part about this piece is not the kissing. The important part about this piece is the greeting one another and greeting one another with holiness. There's actually good reasons why we don't kiss each other right now because of a virus, but in other times because there are kinds of kisses that aren't holy, that aren't done from proper motives, that don't bring about greeting, that aren't for the encouragement of the other person. And our greetings to each other must first of all be with great rejoicing Greet one another means greet one another happily and affectionately. When we see each other, we're to see each other like this. Hey, good to see you. I'm so glad you're here. And we're to greet each other also in a holy way. And the holy way means greeting one another without false motives or pretenses. When we're told that God wants us to lift up holy hands in worship. It means lifting up hands that have confessed sin and don't have harboring hatred for each other. The important part about the greeting one another is the attitudes of our hearts towards each other. So I say to you, greet one another lovingly, affectionately, and in a holy manner. Without any anger, hatred, or cursing. 
but let us greet each other in a holy way. Finally, Paul wants us to recognize the others. Verse 12 there, he says, all the saints send you greetings. It will do well for us in this season to not forget that we're not alone. There are other brother and sister churches out there this week. I got to have a long conversation with Ben Reams, the pastor at South Aiken Baptist Church this week, and to hear about how God's working in their church and to share about how God's working in our church and to just rejoice together that we're not alone, but even in a hard season, all the brothers and sisters in Christ send their greetings. I actually got to meet this week also with Jason Hodges. Uh, if you know Gene Hodges' brother and Vicki and Jesse Key's son, the Boston church planter has been working at the church up in Boston these last six or seven years now. And he got to talk to me about how they have a plan this year to be financially stable on their own finally, which is incredible. And we got to rejoice together. And what I'm saying to you is, all the brothers and sisters send their greeting. We're not alone in this, and we're not the only ones going through this trouble. But the brothers and sisters in Christ are out there in the world today and send their greetings as we send ours to them in any way we can. Let us look for ways to be a blessing to other congregations today and throughout COVID. And let them know that we are here to greet them and to send our encouragement and our greeting their way as well. Paul ends with this very theological statement. He says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. The grace of Jesus, the love of the Father, the fellowship of the Spirit be with all of you. Anytime we're talking about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's a profound thing and we could spend the day thinking about contemplating what this means. But just a few short applications. First of all, God's desire is to be with you and that you should be with Him. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, their desire for you today is that you should be with them and that they should be with you. This is the desire of our God. Second, while the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit work together in all things, we have this God who is three and yet is one, we need to know that in all things, God works together. So it's not to say that the Son loves you, but the Father's judging. No, no. It's to say that the Father loves you, the Son loves you, and the Holy Spirit loves you. But it's to understand, as we read Scripture, especially this verse and other ones like it, and as Jesus talks, what we understand about the way God reveals Himself to us is not just how He has told us that He is, but how He has acted towards us. And here's how He has acted towards us. The Father has loved us and willed that we should be saved. The Son has done the action. He is the grace. After all, what is grace but love set to action? Jesus' action coming and paying our price that we could be counted as His righteousness and not our own. Jesus is the grace of God to us. He's the one who's done the action. And is the Holy Spirit who brings us the fellowship with God and brings us into fellowship with God. While they are all equal in power and ability, 
while none is lacking anything, yet they each work in a different way as they have elected themselves to do. The Father wills your salvation. The Son has done the work of your salvation, and the Holy Spirit is empowering you to believe and be saved today. All things have originated from the will of the Father, were done and completed by the Son, and are now continued in our life by the work of the Holy Spirit. This is our God, and what do we say about this? Well, simply this. May the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the, Holy, uh, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Congregation, say to you today real simply, though, in a lot of points. Today, in the midst of all that is going on in our lives, let us rejoice. Let us become mature. Let us be encouraged and an encouragement to each other. Let us be of the same mind that is the mind of Christ. Let us be at peace because the God of peace is with us. Let us greet one another and in a holy way. And let us send our greetings to all the saints even as they send their greetings to us. And oh dear church, dear Talatha Baptist Church, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Jesus we love you so much. I pray that you would be easy on us, that you would treat us gently. But moreover, wherever there is suffering to endure, I pray that you would help us to endure it in hope, with rejoicing and encouragement. We know that we'll have troubles in this world, but we also know that you've overcome the world. And so we rejoice and pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.